Holly G with the Golf Insiders. Our favorite Golf Insider has been traveling the globe these last few weeks following the Live Golf Tour. And uh, we want to check in and catch up on all those details with Bob Herrick from SI.com. Hello, Bob. Hello there. How are you? I should say the slightly jet-lagged Bob Herrick. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the journey. I basically went around the globe Yeah, you in, should. Uh, a little over, little over two weeks, so um, I'm feeling it a little bit still. Yeah. Hopefully I'm uh, getting back on track here. The uh, the glamorous life of uh, the intrepid golf reporter, especially in these days. Bob, first let's let's uh, talk about you were in Bangkok for uh, Live Golf event two weeks ago. Eugenio Shikara, the uh, All American from Oklahoma State, who was uh, quick to jump on board the Live Golf series and. Um, bypass the PGA Tour. Uh, this is one of those situations where you look at it and you say, hmm, pretty good move by uh, by this uh, All-American player? You know, I think time will tell. Um, it's a great move for him financially. And, you know, he was very honest about it. He said, if I stayed in college another year, which he had planned to do, and had gone through what the tour now has this this PGA Tour University thing where they give, I believe it's five automatic spots to the Corn Ferry Tour. And look, it's to the Corn Ferry Tour. It's not the PGA Tour. And he gave the example of a friend of his who went that route who only got six starts. Like it's not a, you know, it's not a full exemption on the tour. Like you're, you have a priority. Right. So you're not even out there completely just getting to play. You're you're having to, you know, kind of hope for the best with spots, probably having to Monday qualify some. And then that's your avenue to the PGA Tour. And if you don't get enough opportunities, you're not going to make it. And then you're back at Q School and trying to, you know, just get on the Corn Ferry. Now, next year, that's going to change slightly. They're going to give five spots to the PGA Tour, which for 10 years they have not. And, um, you know, as, as just as an aside, and this whole thing about the world rankings and all this, you know, clamor about, um, you know, do they meet the criteria or not? You know, well, the PGA Tour hasn't even met the criteria. They don't have an open qualifying, qualifying school for access to the PGA Tour. Now, look, it's one little thing, basically. They've got, you know, nobody's, nobody's denying the PGA Tour's you know, ability to have world ranking points, but it just does go to show that not everybody meets the criteria in every single way. There's 14 of them, and that's two, that's one of the tours. So, but his point was, is I'd have a hard time getting out there right away. And so now, what does he do? We went to live. I think he signed a three-year deal. We don't know exactly for sure how many years, um, you know, and how much money there was, but there was some money up front. And now he's made, you know, about $5 million. And he wasn't going to make that playing Corn Ferry. And he's got money in the bank. And and so, in theory, let's say after the three years, he wanted to chase the PGA Tour, if he's even allowed to. Right. Which is another factor. Mm -hmm. You know, he's never been a member of the tour. 
and how they can keep him from trying, that's probably why they're in court. Um, but let's say he's allowed to. Well, now he's got a base to be able to do it where, you know, he's not going to put himself in a financial bind. You know, if he, he can go try to make it on the Corn Ferry Tour for a year, and, and, if, he, and if he doesn't make it, he's, he can try again, and he's, he's going to have a financial base to, to build off of. You know, I think eventually he's going to want to go there because that's going to be your access to the biggest tournaments. Uh, so it's an interesting way to go, and it'll be interesting to see if anybody else follows that path. And also how the tour will uh, look to perhaps uh, fill or negate what could be, you know, sort of a loophole, Bob. I mean, or a fast track to the tour if, you know, they in fact can in turn try to qualify down the road. Yeah, I mean... You know, look, 10 years ago when the tour changed its system to a wraparound schedule, they almost had to do it this way because you there wasn't going to be time for a Q school before the new fall season, you know, unless they completely revamped, um, you know, their whole Corn Ferry season. It was like one of the unintended consequences of doing that. But they should have figured out a way. Because, you know, it's just too restrictive now. And, you know, look, again, I'm not sitting here advocating for Liv, but I do think they they make some points. You know, one of the pushbacks on Liv is, is, oh, well, you know, you've you've given contracts to a bunch of these, you know, you know, guys who've been out there forever and and they've got a they've got a guaranteed spot. Well, you know what? There's a lot of older guys on the PGA Tour who have a pretty much a guaranteed spot. Like, once you lose your card, you still have the top 50 all-time money, the top 25 all-time money exemptions to use. Um, you've got past champion status. It's not that easy to get, to get rid of a guy. He's not just gone. You know, you can play out of the 126 to 150 category. You know, guys who have lost their card have found ways to get 15, 18 PJ Tour starts anyway. Sure. So it's not like they're exactly, you know, they're just completely cut off. Um, the tour takes care of its own that way. But what it's not done is it's not had a great pathway for younger players. And we're seeing how, you know, look at Tom Kim. The way he made it is because he had a great he had great success on the Asian tour and the Korean tour. Yes. He was able to earn enough world ranking points. Now, that's, gonna, that's changing, too, because those points have been greatly diminished on those tours. But basically, he won the abbreviated Asian tour order of merit that – that came to a conclusion in January. They finished up their their aborted COVID season with four events, two in Thailand in late 2021 and two in Singapore in 2022. He won one of those, and he tied for second in the other in Singapore, and he won their order of merit. But more importantly, he got himself in the top 100 in the world by, by moving up. And, and all of a sudden, now he, play, he played like in the... Uh, in the uh, uh, Saudi International. He played in a couple of international events. He got a sponsor's exemption to Dallas. He was in the PGA Championship. Um, he got some starts on the PGA Tour and made, it actually made some headway. And, uh, you know, he played in the Open 
and he, and he, he got in tournaments. He became a temporary member, and then a, he was assured of full membership, I guess, when he had a high enough finish at the 3M. You know, so, like, he worked his way up the hard way, never going to Corn Ferry. Um, but that's not, a, that's not easy access. No. You know, so, like, the, you know, what if he hadn't done that? That's a, you know, that's a... Now, that's a hard way to do it. I, I just think that, you know, they, they need to probably look at that again. Five spots is better than none, which is going to happen next year. But it's only five spots. You know, you, you, you basically have to serve an apprenticeship on the Corn Ferry Tour before you get on the PGA Tour. And, um, you know, that's, that's created this little void now for guys. Like, you know, hey, do I want to do that or do I want to go take the money? And it seems like Liv is ready to pounce on some of those guys that they view as, you know, up-and-coming stars. From Bangkok, you went to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, and Brooks Kepka was the champion there on Sunday, or was it Saturday? I can't keep track. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right behind him was Peter Uline. Now... Peter Uline, a two-time Walker Cupper, did he have any wins on the Corn Ferry Tour? Uh, he I believe so, and he won. He won once in Europe, and he's he's been on the PGA Tour for a good while with not much success. So here's yeah. a guy that turns around and wins four million for being third in points, and was it nine point eight? Was he? Was he part of a winning team, or how did that break down? Yeah, his team, which was Kepka's team, won on Sunday, so that was worth seven fifty. By actually not winning the tournament, it cost him over $5 million because he would have finished second in the points, which would have been $8 million instead of $4 million. and then there was a difference in prize money of almost $2 million. So he, he won a lot, but he would have won a lot more if he had won the tournament. And uh, he actually played really nicely in that playoff. Um, like twice, he hit these incredible bunker shots from the greenside bunker to like inches, you know, for birdies. And, and Kepka hit the green, and he made him two putt to, to tie each time. Um, but you know, he feeds into the negativity towards Liv. Well, you know, he could never do it on the PGA Tour. Now he's doing it there. You know, and I, I get it. You know, he doesn't have to beat as many players. Some of them aren't as good as what you face week in and week out. Deeper fields are harder to win. You know, it's it's clear that, you know, smaller fields, you, don't, you, know, you only have to beat 47 guys, and there's probably 10 or 15 of them every week who aren't going to be competitive. You know, they're just the way of, that's just the way it is. And so now you're down to really only having to beat about 30 guys. You know, it's a lot different than if you're playing 144, and, you know, even, even after the cut, you know, there's still 65 or 70 left, and there's probably 30 or 40 of them that are going to be competitive, you know, more than that. And so you've had to get to that point just to just to even have a chance. So, you know, the, the people who have their points against Liv, those are valid, you know, and it's the, it's the reason why Liv won't get the same number of ranking points if they ever do get them because they have these small fields. And, look, they've, they've made it easy to knock them. You know, um, uh, it's just it's you know there's no there's no there's no denying it. They can't be as competitive as a full field event. 
Uh, it's just the, the, how they're set up. It's just that's one of the things they, they, they have to deal with and accept. Let's talk about Keegan Bradley after having the longest drought in four years winning at Zozo on Sunday. Now, here's a guy who, you know, has been one of the premier ball strikers, won his first major, you know, his first try, the PGA Championship. Many of us, you know, know Keegan's story. Struggled with putting because of the ban of the belly putter. It was uh, so interesting to listen to his his comments uh, yesterday uh, at the uh, tournament in South Carolina, but also just the emotion after his win, you really get a sense of, you know, just how how hard it is, but also how meaningful. And when you put, you know, Keegan's experience and some of his comments juxtaposed to these live golf guys, it's two completely different animals. Yeah, well, you know, he's been fighting the fight now for a long time and, um, you know, hadn't won in four-plus years. And he had a couple of chances earlier this year. He was in contention at the players. Uh, he was he was in contention at the uh, Wells Fargo that Max Homer won. Um, you know, he was in the contention at the U.S. Open. In his uh, backyard of Boston. Yeah, you know, and um, these, you know, he's he's kind of been, been honest about the struggle, you know, that uh, – uh, that it's been that's been tough. You know, the way he lost the players was really brutal. You know, he was right there. And he, you know, I think he made a double bogey on 18 the last day, or or maybe it was you know it hit in the water somewhere. You know, I don't know that he was going to win, but he was grinding the try. Um, and yeah, it was tough. And you're right, the putter thing was, I think, is he he might be the the best example of somebody who was really hurt by that by that change. The ban of the anchored stroke. He grew up putting that way. Not not maybe as a kid, but like certainly in high school and college, when there was no indication whatsoever that it would ever be banned. You know, so you know, like he was. That was the what he learned, and now he has to change it. And, and you know, and so clearly his putting got worse, and now you put pressure on the rest of your game. And, yeah. Um, that's tough. He made a comment yesterday that was really revealing. He says it wasn't that I just lost the putter. He said I lost the thousands of hours of practice of the feel of that putter, of how I felt when I was nervous, how I used to make winning putts with that putter. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's... That's the things that we all miss, you know. Um, imagine they, imagine they take, uh, uh, you know, they take something else away that you're used to. What if they took? A, what if they decide no more 64 degree wedge, you know? And a guy had honed his skills around the greens or in the bunkers using that club, and now you can't use it anymore. Well, think of how many hours and hours you practice with that. You know, um, it's. Uh, uh, that's a that's a you know that's a tough tough thing to overcome you know and I you know I, I was I was one back in the day who thought it was a good idea to, to get rid of it um, but you know I, I've since sort of wavered on that because you sit there and you look and you go it's not a magic pill it's not like the guys who used it were just you know racking up victories yeah sure guys did have success with it. But they, you know, they still didn't always win. I mean, look at Adam Scott. 
you know, he, he, he struggled. He's used it. Um, I know Ernie Els won the Open 10 years ago using a belly putter, I guess. But, I mean, again, you still got to practice with it. It doesn't automatically make the ball go in. And I just feel bad for a guy like him who, like you said, thousands upon hours practice with it, and now he's got to go to something else. I talked to Keegan earlier in the year about it, and I said to him, you know, it, it's, it's sort of like never far from mine. And he goes, the thing that kills me is that I go into my house and I, have, I see the putter I use. It's in my kitchen or it's mm-hmm. in like my living room or something like that. And I sit there and I look at it and I just shake my head. You know, yeah. you can tell it yeah. still bothers them. Yeah, sure. He talked about how many players he heard from, uh, including Justin Thomas. They both, you know, live in South Florida, who, you know, tweeted about, you know, I've watched up close how hard Keegan has worked uh, to get back into the winner's circle. And Keegan said, you know, the respect of your peers means almost more than the wins. And, you know, you look at what drives that level of competitor and why the PGA Tour means so much to these guys versus what's going on in live where it appears you know to just be driven purely by the money yeah i mean look i guess i could go two ways with that um certainly the tour is its own entity it's where you re- it's where the legacies and where the records are established you know and we can look at keegan and compare him to others we have that reference point of it's been four years since he won we don't have that with live you know, I mean, does Kepka's win mean as much as the when he won last year in Phoenix? You know, it's hard to say that it does. You know, and that is certainly at this point. Um, and but you know, I guess on the other side, the whole money thing. Let's be honest. That's why this was even a factor. Every just about every top player and agent listened. And. You know, why do they have such a great field in South Carolina this week, a golf course hardly any of them know? It's a 78-player field with a $10.5 million purse and no cut. So, look, I'm not trying to say that, that you know, that there's, you know, that they're, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, but let's be honest. It's the best field of the fall. It's the Zozo field was, had a little higher purse, but obviously you had to go all the way to Japan. You know, and that was also 78 players. But look at what's brought everybody out. A, 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 the same kind of concept that Liv is doing. Of course, Liv is doing way less players and more money. But this is a lot of money. Everybody gets paid this week. And I think that is part of the problem that that existed as to why and, and how Liv even had a chance is because there was a clamoring for a little bit more of that. Now, I would argue that... Um, too many no-cut events is not good. You know, like, I hope they don't change the elevated events next year. Like, if they make the Arnold Palmer and, and Bay Hill, or excuse me, or a Memorial at Genesis um, smaller fields with no cuts, I think that's bad. You know, that's exactly the thing they're railing on against with Liv. Sure. You know, Liv, needs, Liv needs to have a cut. You know, they just do. I mean, it's just, it's, it's more the essence of the game to have a cut. It makes you nervous from the first. You know that uh, you might not be competing for a lot of money on the final day or the final two days. Um, 
So, you know, it, it, that's the part of it where I push back on that a little bit. It's that that I think there was a need for some more of this that, that the tour is doing. And, you know, I don't think they took these outside uh, possibilities seriously enough. And now we have kind of a fractured game, and that's unfortunate. We do have a jam-packed field, Bob, for uh, the CJ Cup, which was played in South Korea but uh, was moved because of the pandemic, and I guess uh, they still felt it was best to keep it here one more year? Yeah, you know, and I'm curious as to what's going to happen next year because because the fall next year will not count towards the new season. And so these this Asian swing is in limbo. Um, obviously, they're not going to China next week. For the HSBC, so this is three years in a row where they won't be in um, they won't be in South Korea and they won't be in China. And even if you play this event in South Carolina, you're not going to get this field. The, the whole idea of the fall now is to be, you know, kind of just to, to keep your spot or to, to earn a. <clears throat> it's an extension of the previous season for guys who didn't finish in the top 70. So are they still going to have this event? Even we're going to—I think we're going to have a fall that's going to have, you know, Napa and, and Vegas and and Sanderson Farms and probably Bermuda and Houston and um, uh, RSM. Those six. But what what else? I mean, I don't I don't know how they fit a tournament like like this in with this format. Um, in that new in that new situation, which you know they've not really, and, and look, I'm not criticizing them for it. They've had a lot to deal with here, but they've not really worked the details of that out yet. And now their their FedEx schedule really has no international events. It has Canada, it has the Scottish Open and the Open. That's it. So the other buzz coming into this week weekend is uh, Roy McIlroy having the opportunity to uh, ascend to world number one. All that he's had to take on, you know, with the, the PJ Tour and live this past season, that uh, actually said it, was, it wasn't a distraction. It actually gave him an, an edge because he found it very cathartic being inside the ropes, you know, that it, it just it gave him even more focus, more motivation, and he said, my words would ring hollow if my play didn't back it up. Pretty pretty uh, interesting. Right. He's, he's used this as a way to motivate him, um, which, uh, you know, is in some ways surprising, but maybe not. You know, he's been out there for a long time, and uh, obviously the majors are a big deal to him. Uh, but, you know, a year ago this time, he was around 15th in the world which seemed like awful for a guy like Rory. He had really slipped. And um, even though he had won it at uh, Quail Hollow last year, but he slowly moved himself back into position to get to number one, you know, is how competitive it is at the top. Uh, you know, with Scheffler and, um, you know, JT and, and John Rahm as number one for a long time. And, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive that he's put himself in this position. And uh, so he has a great chance. Now, look, he's got to win or finish second. Um, and, and I believe Scheffler has to, you know, finish a little, a little farther back. It's been a great run for, for Scheffler. It'll be interesting to see how 
where he is right now, too, to, to, to see if he can hang on to it. Speaking of winning, Bob, time to throw your dart. Who are you picking for the CJ Cup at Congaree Golf Club in South Carolina? I'm going with JT. It's last tournament before he gets married. Woo! And, um, uh, you know, I think it's his only tournament of the fall, actually. So, you know, I would think there's some motivation. I would think, I guess he's going to play in Tiger's event at the Hero. But, um, you know, this is his, his last tournament for a little while. And I, I would think he'd want to have a good week, set, you know, give himself a little bit of a cushion getting into 2023 because it still counts. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of who I'm looking at. Yeah, that'll help make that wedding cake taste extra special, Bob. <laughs> no doubt. Well, thanks so much uh, for this extended uh, podcast and for catching us up on everything in the world of golf. Hope, uh, hope you catch a little sleep over the weekend. Bob Herrick from SI.com. Thank you so much.